in the process of a series called Root Killers that we started at the beginning of this month. And uh, so we're going to be continuing along this line. And so I'm not going to rehash everything that I've been uh, sharing with you. But uh, really, the whole purpose of this series is this. It's all about our heart. Because, you know, many times... in we could probably all know people or have known people that it seemed like, man, they were loving God. They were just really, at, and then all of a sudden it seemed like a light switch went off and they just kind of fell off. And the truth is they didn't just fall off. The truth is that it was a series of events and time that happened. And really it's something that happened in their heart. And the thing is about the heart is that it takes time to see the effects that's why you get saved and, and God does something, but then you have to start applying God's word. You have to start learning how to think the way that God's word tells us to think and give it some time with you. Think, and guess what? It's going to begin to produce in your life. It's not just instantaneous all the time. Well, the same thing is true on the reverse, is that we don't just fall in a moment, right? It, it takes some time. There's a, a cooling off that happens, but it starts in our heart. And, and so that's really part of what this series is all about, is about protecting our heart and watching and paying attention to our heart. You can ask yourself, you can think of it like this. It's almost like asking yourself the question, how am I really? How am I really doing? And sometimes we don't want to ask ourselves that question because it makes us nervous because we're afraid to hear the answer, Right? And yet the Bible gives us instructions in Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says, above all, guard the affections of your heart. You're like, well, how do I guard my heart? What are you desiring? What, what's the affections? What, what is your heart longing for? Because that's telling you where you're at. And it says that we're to guard the affections of our heart, for they affect all that you are. It goes on and says, pay attention to the welfare of your innermost being. How are you doing today? Sometimes you need to ask yourself that. It says, for from there flows the wellspring of life. And other translations would say it this way, is that guard your heart with all diligence, for that's the direction, the course of your life. If you, if you look at your heart, you, that's going to tell you where you're going to be in the future. Doesn't mean that hearts can't change. Yes, they can. But we can also do what I call preventative, well, it's not what I call it. It is preventative maintenance, which is what? You can do some upkeep before you have a problem. You don't need to wait till the oil pan of your car blows off the bottom of your engine to say, I probably should have got an oil change, right? Your engine just, smoke going everywhere. You're on the side of the road saying, I don't know what happened. Preventative maintenance, an oil change. Well, I don't know why my tire blew out. You know those black, or those, that, that steel wire you saw? That meant it was time for some new tires. Preventative, like, you take care of it before there's a problem, and, and yet that is what we're talking about. And, and so uh, I've been sharing with you, uh, week one I talked to you, or shared with you about uh, comparison, how looking at others and comparing our life to somebody else's is a big trap. These are all traps, really, is what they are, that the enemy loves to get us into. And in the second week, I, I shared with you about, uh, really about our thoughts and our words, not just the words that we say, but even our thoughts. That, and and I, it was never really, I've never thought of it like this, but that thoughts are like the language which I speak to myself. It's that inner dialogue. And we have to be careful what we're thinking, what we're saying. Why? Because it's powerful. And it's the meditation. And what you meditate on is what? Eventually... You know, I shared it with you is that what you tell yourself loud enough and long enough, eventually you believe to be fact. 
You can convince yourself that your spouse doesn't love you if you keep telling yourself that. You can convince yourself that your boss hates you if you keep telling yourself that. Even if you are convinced they hate you, if you'll change your thoughts and you begin to say, I just think I have favor with that person. God, you're going to give me favor. Favor goes before me. They're going to like me and not even know why. You begin to confess that. Guess what's going to happen? Your mentality is going to begin to shift. And God, and you will see favor begin to happen in your life. So this morning, I want to share with you about another trap, another root killer. In, in week one, I shared with you about uh, some trees, these massive great sequoias that had root problems. They fell and they couldn't figure out why. And what they found out was that it was actually nothing wrong with the tree itself. It was the root system. And our, the root system of our life, it, it matters greatly. And so we're talking about, you could think if you want to kind of get a mental picture of, of what we're talking about, these are like weeds. You ever had a gardener, like a flower bed, and you just keep getting weeds, and you just go out there and you keep ripping the leaves off, and it just keeps coming back, keeps coming back, keeps coming back? Well, that's what these things are, because I believe what happens is that many times we have struggles and issues and things in our life that we're dealing with, but we're actually not dealing with the root of the problem, therefore it just keeps coming back. You know, like that, that, that pesky thing, maybe it's a habit, maybe it's a, some sort of, of thing that it's just kind of like, it's just, well, this is just part of who I am. Well, I believe that you've been redeemed, which means you've been bought back and that you have a new identity. And so that there's some old man habits that might be lingering around because you haven't pulled the root up. And we're trying to deal with some external things instead of dealing with the heart of it. And so this morning I want to share with you about anxiety. Anxiety, pressure, worry, fear. I heard your oh, by the way. When I said it, everybody said, oh. Because whether we realize it or not, we are not built for anxiety. We're not designed for anxiety. Science is proving it more and more and more and more. That stress actually does kill. Worry. Fear. All these things. I mean, you know, I mean, really all fear is, which it's such a powerful truth, is that fear takes you into the future to tell you something bad is going to happen to you. That's what fear is. It's actually, it's motivated by a spirit of the enemy. The Bible says we've not been given a spirit of fear. Paul told Timothy but of power, love, and of a sound mind. But yet we can be dominated by anxiety. We see it in our culture. It's rampant right now. And it's only going to get worse. I hate to tell you this. But that's why this is so important. Because the Bible speaks to it a lot. See, many times people become anxious and worrisome because they're actually being motivated by fear. They don't even know it. They don't say it. Like, oh, well, I'm, I'm, just, I'm just anxious. I'm just anxious. I'm just, yeah, but what are you, why are you anxious? Because if you really got to the root of it, it's probably based in fear. Now, the enemy does a masterful job using this weapon against us. But it doesn't mean that we can't stop him. You know, I can remember I was listening to something the other day, and this guy was talking about, he was talking about when he was young, he didn't have anything to lose. He's like, man, he goes, you know, I, I left college or whatever was going on to get his master. He said, I put everything I owned into my car. He said, I had nothing to lose, you know. And I begin to think about that. And the enemy has this way of doing things. When you have nothing, you're so worried about what you don't have. You're fearful. Is this all I'm ever going to Then you start getting a few things and then you become concerned, fearful that you're going to lose everything. 
So the enemy gets you to worry on the front end, gets you to worry on the back end. And so you can actually, be, and you, and the, you, I'll just say it because it's true. If you actually are experiencing blessing, you need to make sure that fear is not getting in, that you're going to lose it. Because you can actually become more entangled by fear once you have some things because you're so afraid of losing it. Many people can't be generous because they're afraid. They're, they're motivated and they don't even know it. The Bible tells us in Luke 21, 26, it says, and this is Jesus talking about the last days, which you're like, well, what are the last days? The Bible says that before Christ returns, all these events are going to be happening. I'm not saying he's coming back today. But the Bible sure is pointing to a lot of signs that we see that are pretty much on our daily news. I'm not saying he's coming back in a year. I have no idea. But this is something, I think this is interesting. So Jesus is telling the disciples about the last days. He actually says, in the last days, there's going to be some perilous times. And that nations are going to be perplexed. Like, there's going to be mass confusion. I think we kind of qualify for that. Nobody seems to have answers to anything. And yet Jesus makes this statement in Luke 21, 26. He says that men's hearts will fail them for fear and the expectation of things that are coming on the earth. Men's hearts are going to fail them for fear, for worry, anxiety. We see it in our culture all the time. You ever had a moment like where your stomach was beginning to churn? You ever had, like, let me just break it down. Like somebody walks in the room that you don't like and all of a sudden your stomach is like, mm-mm. <laughs> how many of you, let's see some honest hands. They don't even have to say anything. They walk in and you're like, mm-mm. <laughs> Turn around, just go on out. My heart cannot deal with you right now. And yet, or maybe it's a bill that comes. You didn't even open it yet. You just saw the name, and it's like, fear, anxiety, they settle in. And the enemy's right there. You're like avoiding the mailman, you know. He's like, well, if I don't check the mail, well, I never got it, you know. (laughs) Sorry. I didn't know it was late. No, you get these moments, man, and, and, you know, and your mind begins to spin, you get, you know, you get these moments and, and there's doubt and there's worry, there's fear, there's concern. That's anxiety. You're like a ball of nerves. And you're just on edge all the time. Do you realize that Jesus died so that you don't have to be on edge all the time? That you could actually have a, a calm disposition and heart? I said this a minute ago in worship. He said his peace, not some insufficient, secondary, low degree of peace. He said, the very peace that I walk in, I'm giving to you. But yet we walk around and look, and we're all susceptible to this. We are not designed to carry burden. You can go back to the beginning of Genesis, the very beginning of the Bible. Adam and Eve in the garden, they didn't have a care in the world. Why? Because God provided everything. The knowledge that they gained was actually anxiety. It was fear. Why? Because the Bible says when they ate of the tree, what did they go do? They hid. And God shows up and is like, Adam, Eve, where y'all at? He's looking for them. Which I think is kind of funny because I'm like, he's God. He knows where they're at. Why don't you just go walk in and be like, 
hey guys, <laughs> I don't know why, but for whatever reason, he was calling for them. And Adam's response says, I was naked, so I hid. And God says, who told you that? Adam, you've become something that I didn't design you for. Fear has caused you to hide. I have come and, and created you to walk with me. Not, I mean, like, in front of me, not hiding things. And so actually, you could actually say the results of sin was fear, anxiety, stress. But we're not designed for that. We're really not. Our bodies aren't designed for it. You go to the doctor. Like, Man, I've just got some chest pain. What, the, what are they going to ask you? You stressed? So that's the first question. Even before your diet. Tell me about your workload. What's your life like? Okay, well, you, you don't seem too stressed. Now let's talk about your diet. Doctors even put stress above food. So this is something that we are all accustomed to. See, it's too much for our bodies, even our nervous systems, to handle. I remember growing up, my mom used to have this statement she'd make all the time. And it was the, all right, y'all are getting to the end. And she would make the statement to us. She'd say, hey, y'all are getting on my one nerve, which means she was down to the last one, right? It's like, mom's about to kick it into another gear. <laughs> and she's going to come out another way. Why? Because it's just... She was in that space. She's like, y'all better watch out. It's coming. See, here's the thing, and this is the trap that we fall into, is that we think, well, I can manage this. I can take care of this. I, you know, I, I can handle my own. And the truth is, is that we can't because it just stacks and it stacks and it stacks and it just, the load gets heavier and heavier and heavier. You know, I don't have a bottle of water, but if I did, there, toss me a bottle of water. Is it 16 or is it what 16.9 ounces? Yes. One pound. I can hold that like that. Right? What about in an hour? What about in five? What about in two weeks? Did the weight change? Or did my ability to support the weight change? That's stress. It's not that it changed. My ability to support it in time changes. And yet we convince ourselves, I can handle it. It's not heavy. It's, it's not hard. But You see what I'm saying? But it's that over time, it gets heavier and heavier and heavier. It actually doesn't get heavier. Just my ability to hold it gets less. See, eventually our minds, our bodies will begin to break even under that perpetual weight. See, anxiety is a thief. It takes our strength and our joy, our boldness and our courage. It makes us fearful and faithless. Jesus even talks about this. He says, what, what are you going to change by your worry? Can it, can it make you just a quarter of an inch taller? Does it give you another breath on your life? He says, don't worry. The same God that holds the universe in his hand holds you. You don't need to worry. And I don't care your personality type. We're all prone to this. 
whether you're more lean towards Eeyore or more towards Tigger. <laughs> right? Whichever one, we all deal with these things. See, worry doesn't change tomorrow. tomorrow. What it does, it robs you of your joy and your strength in today, though. It does. It doesn't change tomorrow at all. And we have to be careful. I'm not going to read it for the sake of time, but there's a story in 2 Kings chapter 6 about the prophet Elijah. And he got up one day, and actually his servant got up, and he was surrounded by enemies. And the servant comes back in, and he's like, Elijah, we're in trouble. We're in real bad trouble. Because there are a whole mountain range of people all around us, and they're here to kill us. And Elijah's like, ah, we're good. This guy just had an anxious moment. Why? Because he just looked at a whole hillside full of troops, horses. They're all waiting. And Elijah has this, and it's this great moment in Scripture. And Elijah tells his servant, he says, Lord, he prays for him. He says, Lord, open his eyes that he would see that there are more with us than there are with them. Elijah wasn't worried. Why? Because he saw a greater reality. He saw something that the servant could not see. And the Bible says that that all of a sudden, this guy goes from being super anxious to being super confident. Why? Because there were angels encamped around them. I've got good news. You've got angels around you. Like, what are angels? The Bible says in Hebrews that angels are actually meant to come and to help the heirs of salvation. That's you. That's me. Angels. We have some support. We have some aid. We have some help. So we don't need to be nervous. We don't need to be anxious. You know, a couple years ago, this was when me and Derek were living in Arkansas. We went through a, a, a season or a series of very unusual events. Like just chaos. I said it in a real nice way before, but it was chaos for about three weeks. You know, and we all, and I understand when I say this is that we all face things. We all have challenges. But I'm talking about it felt like the wheels were coming off of every area of our life. Every day we were being hit with something for about three straight weeks. Literally every day. I mean, it was personally, it was financially, it was in the church, it was with people. In the, I mean, every day it was something. And I, and I kept saying this, this phrase, every, and I just got to where it, I'd come in, I'd walk in the door of my house, and Derek'd say, here's what happened today. And I would say, the hits keep on coming. The hits just keep on coming. Another bill that we didn't know about. Another this, another that. My son fell off of our countertop and hit his head on a tile floor. Had to get flown on Good Friday because they were concerned that he had internal bleeding in his brain. That was just one thing amongst a lot, a lot of pressure, a lot of pressure during this moment, during this time. And I mean, I I could tell you lots of details that were going on, and everything's just stacking, stacking, stacking. And one of the things that I, I caught myself doing. And since I've actually learned a little bit more about it, but I would, catch, I would find myself trying to catch a breath, like a sigh, just like, <sighs> like I would get in the car before I even crank it, just be like, <sighs> <laughs> and I've actually since have found out that it's actually part of a coping mechanism that we do. 
And it's, it, I mean, neurologically, it's getting oxygen to the brain, trying to clear my head. But it was like this involuntary reaction to stress. It was my body trying to de-stress in the moment. And I just caught myself over it. I mean, a lot of times throughout the day, just, it's like I just couldn't catch a, I just, you know, every time I feel like I get my breath, like something else would hit me. And I just, you know, and I just, and it was, man, and there's times that in all of our life, but I kept caught myself doing that a lot. And as I began to just pray and, and kind of through that season, begin to ask the Lord about just what's going on, I, I came into some scriptures that actually really begin to help me. Because how many of you know, sometimes you just don't know what to pray. And sometimes you can say the name of Jesus, but sometimes even that just feels like not enough. And all you've got is just... In Psalms 5, verse 1 and 2, the psalmist writes and he says, Listen to my words, Lord, and consider my sighing. Consider my sighing. It says, pay attention to the sound of my cry. He's still talking about sighing here. Listen to the sound of my cry, not the tears that fall, to the sound. It says, my king and my God, for I pray to you. Psalms 38 verse 9 says, you know what I long for, Lord, and you hear my every sigh. See, I believe that those sighs can become prayers in the ears of God. God, when I don't even have the words to even express what's going on in my heart, because I may not be able to even explain it or put it into words, all I know is that I'm overwhelmed. All I know is that all of this pressure is pushing on me. And I don't know how to pray, what to say. I don't even know what I'm thinking right now in this moment. And all I can do is to let out this low frequency sound that we call a sigh. I believe God hears those as, as, as prayers. It's what the psalmist writes. Lord, hear the sounds of my sighing. When I don't have words, when I don't have the energy to speak... What a cool scripture. It's like, man, God, you you love me so much that you'll even take a sigh as a prayer. It's like a distress signal to God. Help. Help. Mayday. Help me. It's this guy who wrote a book, and his name's Ted Loader, but he, he made this statement. He says, how shall I pray? Are tears prayers, Lord, or screams prayers, or groans, or sighs, or curses? Can trembling hands be lifted to you, or clenched fists, or the cold sweat that trickles down my back, or the cramps that knot in my stomach? It says, will you accept my prayers, Lord, the real prayers, rooted in the muck and the mud and the rock of my life, not just the pretty, flower-cut, gracefully arranged bouquet of words? Like, God, will you just take the, like, the raw me? <laughs> like, when I'm frustrated... Will you still be there for me in that moment? And the answer is yes. Even when I don't have the words to to formulate, he'll even listen to just those little distress signals, those little low-frequency moments. It's like, Lord, I just need some peace. 
I believe the Lord will, will accept those as prayers. See, the, the reality is that anxiety, and, and you can call it whatever you want. I'm, I'm going to use the word anxiety. But anxiety comes from two primary feelings. Two main things that produce anxiety in our life, which is, number one, is helplessness. There's nothing I can do. I can't change it. There's nothing I can do about this. And the second one is being overwhelmed. It's just too much. It's just too much. I don't know how to to move forward. I I don't know what to do. Those are the things that produce anxiety. So how do you deal with anxiety? I mean, Scripture, what does God's Word tell us about anxiety? Proverbs chapter 4, verse 6 and 7 it's a fairly familiar passage of Scripture. And the first couple words already frustrate me. Because it says, do not be anxious. You ever been in a moment where you read that Scripture and you're like, how can I not be anxious right now? Do you see what is on my plate? Like, God, you are all-knowing, so I know that you know. But you say, don't be anxious. He says, don't be worried about anything. God, I'm worried about everything. What do you mean don't be worried about anything? Everything is stressing me out right now. Like, I just need to go in a closet, lock the doors. Everybody leave me alone. I'm not taking my phone with me. Just leave me alone. But yet, Scripture tells us, don't be anxious. It says, okay, so I don't like that. But what do I do with that? Don't be anxious. Don't be worried. But he says in everything. The Amplified adds and says in every circumstance and situation, it says to pray and petition with thanksgiving. Why? Because I know the end. When I look at what I, where I, what I may be facing right now, I get stressed out. But when I know the end, I can begin to pray with thanksgiving. Why? Because I remember that God is on my side. That he's not left me, he's not abandoned me, but he's always there for me. So it says, let, when you pray, pray with thanksgiving. God, I thank you that even in the midst of my mess, I'm not alone. You've not, you've not given up on me, you're right here with me. And I know that you're not causing this, but I know that you are going to use this to bring about something in my life for my good. And I trust you in this moment. Not that he's causing it, I mean, think about, I made mention to this earlier. Jesus was in a boat asleep during the midst of a hurricane, and the disciples were freaked out. And the solution was in the boat with them all along. And they were totally freaked out. I mean, to the point, they ran back there, woke up Jesus, and they're like, don't you care that we're going to die? Just a thought. If they died, what happens to Jesus? Would he not die as well? I mean, if they drown, I mean, of course, I know the religious answer is, well, he'd just walk on water. He'd just float. <laughs> they hadn't had that moment yet, so. But yet they go to Jesus. They're like, don't you even care that we're going to die? And Jesus gets up and rebukes the wind and the waves. And he says, peace, calm. Sometimes you need to speak to your wind and your waves and say, I've had it. Enough. Peace doesn't mean that it all just changes, but it changes in you. It changes in you. It says that when we would pray and ask the Lord, that we would make specific requests. It says when we do this, the peace of God, that peace which reassures our heart, 
That peace which transcends all understanding. That peace which stands guard over our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus is yours. Don't stress. Don't worry. Pray. Pray. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says that God would keep in perfect and constant peace those whose mind is stayed or steadfast on him because he trusts and takes refuge in the Lord with hope and confident expectation. With hope and confident expectation. How do you deal with anxiety? You've got to get your hope fixed on something else. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 7, out of, the message, or, I'm sorry, out of the Passion Translation. It says that we are to pour all of our worries and stress upon him, being God, and leave them there. That's the important part. Don't go to like your prayer place and be like, okay, I'm going to pray. Okay, now I'm going to take all this stress back, God. It's, my, it's mine to carry. Remember, you're not designed to carry it. I wouldn't ask my four-year-old son to come carry a 50-pound bag of dirt. Why? Because he can't, what's going to happen? He's going to be flat on the ground and the 50-pound bag is going to be on top of him. Why? Because he's not built yet to carry 50 pounds. God doesn't want you carrying things he didn't design you to carry. So he says to pour out or all of our worries, our stress on him and leave them there for he always tenderly cares for us. Psalms 55 verse 22 says, so here's what I've learned through it all. He says, leave all of your cares and anxieties at the feet of the Lord and measureless grace will strengthen you. Measureless grace. When what? When we just say, all right, God, you know what? I'm gonna trust you. It's one of the hardest things for us to do. I'm going to talk more about this next week. Because, wow, we're all control freaks. You're like, well, I'm not a control freak. Sure you are. We all are. <laughs> Don't even, de- the fact that you denied it tells me you're a control freak. <laughs> that was your first thought. I was like, I'm not. Yes, you are. We all are. Every single one of us. Some of us are more than others. I would probably fall more to that more than others. But we all are at certain levels. See, the word casting there actually gives us, when you study this out and and in the Greek language, it means to violently throw or to fling something with great force. It doesn't mean that you just go and kind of like set it down like gingerly, like, oh, let me just set this down at the feet. It means like you take it and you heave it. Like you want nothing to do with it. Like just get this off of me. That's what the scripture is telling us to do with stress, worry, anxiety. Throw it off. Have nothing to do with it. Ancient literature actually shows us the picture of this, which is the flinging of a garment, a bag, or excess weight off the shoulders of a traveler onto an animal. So in biblical days, it would be this. You take a 50-pound bag of rice, right? I already used that as a 50-pound, whatever. So you take it, and you go and throw it on the back of a donkey. Why? Because he's actually built to carry weight. 50 pounds is light compared to some of the stress you live with every day. And it's amazing. I mean, you go and read Matthew chapter 11, verse 28. Jesus says, come and learn from me. 
and you'll learn how to live freely and lightly. doesn't mean carelessly, but it does mean freely and lightly. He says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. And yet, man, some of us probably look more like donkeys. You ever seen like one of those pictures of like the donkey and like they loaded up the cart behind him and it got so heavy it picked the donkey up off the, you know what I'm talking about? I wish I had that picture. I'm not pointing fingers, but just ask yourself, am I that donkey? Are you carrying weight that you just, it's too much for you? You're you're not going anywhere. You're just hanging out. (laughs) I I wish I could go somewhere. (laughs) Let go of the cart and start going in the direction God has for you. You got to let it go, though. He's not going to take it from you. You got to let it go. They've proven this, but, you know, one of the major uh, causes of sickness and illness in the Western society today, actually, is not, there are not a lot of external things. It's stress and pressure. I've already talked about this, but it is true. Medically, they've proven it. We're not designed, we're not built to carry the weight of life. We're not. Today, the number one prescribed drug is antidepressants in our society. And by a a lot. Number two is a long ways away. Why? Because people are looking for ways to handle stress. Look, I'm not against medication. I'm not against doctors. I'm not against anything of that. But what I'm saying is, that shouldn't be our first resort. People are looking for... My advice to you is if if you need some medicine, take some medicine. Why? Because you have a healer. You have Jesus. The Bible says joy. We have one that we can run to when we need him. I love this paraphrase. A guy named Rick Renner, who's a, he's a pastor in Moscow, but he's a Greek, um, I don't know, how would I say it? He's like a, he can read the Greek Bible. I'll say it that way. He's a theologian. Like he understands, I mean, he can take one scripture and write like pages on one scripture. It's crazy. And uh, so anyhow, so this was his paraphrase of this particular verse. And he says this, and this is that first Peter scripture I read to you just a second ago. But this is his paraphrase of it. And he says, your shoulders are not big enough to carry the burdens that you're trying to, ca- trying to bear by yourself. The load will eventually break you. The load will eventually break you. He says, so please let me be your beast of burden. Let me be your donkey. Let me be your camel. Come and take that weight and throw it on me. This is God speaking to us. Let me be your beast of burden and take that load and heave it with all of your might. Fling it over on my back and let me carry it for you. That's what that, in the Greek language, that's actually the picture that it gives us. Jesus, your Savior, is saying, Let me have it. Just give it to me. 
Quit holding on to it. Quit stressing out about it. Begin to pray and trust me that I'm working on your behalf, even in the midst of it. Even in those moments. Because life gets overwhelming, and you may have those moments. And you, even me saying it earlier, talking about you taking those deep breaths, you may be like, I do that all the time. Doesn't mean that stress doesn't come. I just need to figure out how to deal with it. Stress is going to come. Life is life. I mean, the day in which we live is chaos. I mean, you go watch the news for a few minutes, you'll get stressed out. It doesn't take long. But yet, we're not designed for this. See, I mentioned this earlier, but I believe that one of the antidotes, one of the ways that we can overcome anxiety is by keeping our hope fixed in the right place. And that hope is to be fixed is that, number one, I have a God who loves me. Like You've got to keep that in mind, that God loves you. He's paying attention to you. The Bible says he knows the hairs on your head this morning. Or how many you used to have, whichever way. Here's good news. He knows where they're all at. And when you get glorified, you're going to have a whole head of hair. (laughs) That's good news. The Bible says he's, he's intimately interested in us. But we have to what? Place our hope. Like, God, I don't know how this is going to all turn out, but this is what I know. It doesn't matter because the Bible says you'll never fail me. You'll never leave me. You'll never forsake me. You're always fighting for me. You're on my side. And I'm just trusting you. I'm not going to try to, you know, I'm not going to try to worry and figure it all out because... You said, what can I add by worry? Nothing. Worry doesn't change anything. But faith can give place, or I'm sorry, hope can give place to faith that can produce results that God wants in our life. But it starts with hope. So we've got to keep that hope in our hearts alive. Don't allow Worry and stress, anxiety to come in and to beat you down to the point where you've lost hope. You're like, well, I've already lost hope. You can get it back. You just got to fix your attention in the right place. You got to come back and say, Lord, this is what your word says. You got to get your eyes off your circumstances. You got to fix them on God's word, his promises to you. Allow that hope to begin to rise. Hope is very, I'm expecting something good is going to happen. Something good is going to come out of this. God's working for me. So let that hope rise up in your hearts. Don't give up. Don't give in. Stand strong. Stand, stand where God has you. And just say, you know what, God? You're going to get glory out of this. You know, I mentioned about my son falling on his head earlier. Man, I went to the hospital and they told me, you don't want your kid here. He needs to be flown. They're like, I wouldn't put him in the car. I wouldn't do all this stuff. We went to the hospital the next day. Within 24 hours, we were released. I mean, they were like, oh, he's got a brain bleed. Well, we went to one of the premier hospitals in the nation. I've never prayed so hard in my life for an hour and a half when I drove. Should have been a two-hour drive, but a little low-level flying. (laughs) There was a lot of stress in that moment, a lot of stress. I put on worship music and I got frustrated because I'm like, my worship is selfish. I really, that's really my thought. I had to turn the 
Even my worship music, I turn it off because I'm like, I just need to focus on God. I need to focus that God is with me. God is fighting for me. God is working in this situation. What they've told me will not come to pass. And they're saying, you know, if, he, if he's got this brain bleed, we can't help him. They're like, we're nothing we can do here. I prayed, I cried, I drove like a maniac, you know. I mean, the whole thing. I get there. You know, I didn't know where to go, all this stuff. And I walk into the emergency room where they had Max. And I look at him, I have a picture of it. And he just looks at me with this big old grin on his face. Not a care in the world. I about lost it, <laughs> you know. But it was like, I was like, I've got this. I would have done anything for my son. It wouldn't have mattered in that moment. I would have done anything for him. And the best thing that I could do was to trust God. It's the best thing I could do in that moment was to trust that God was working for me. And my son is whole. My son is well. He's never had an issue of any kind. I mean, you know, I mean, you get all these things rolling through your mind and in those moments. So I, I tell you that to say, I, this isn't just theory I'm telling you. I've had to walk this. But it's amazing what God can do, what God will work, how God will respond when we trust him. Even in the midst of those moments, sometimes you're going to have to tell yourself, shut up. Quit thinking like that. Quit. Nope, I'm going to replace those thoughts. One of the verses that came to mind when I was driving was, he will live and not die, and he will declare the works of a mighty God. And I began to scream that in my car, just screaming it, just crying and screaming it. I didn't care. But I began to fix my focus where, I, where it needed to be. I'm, saying it, I'm not saying it's easy to do that. Sometimes you've got to get a hold of yourself and just say, nope, I'm not going to let my mind go there. I'm going to begin to declare what God's word says. And I'm going to see God work. But man, that worry, that stress, that all those moments will come. And man, they'll try to rob you. The enemy will try to win in that place. And if you'll catch it, you can change situations. You'll begin to speak God's word. You'll begin to speak the life of God into circumstances and situations. And you'll watch God begin to work. Everybody wants to pray for miracles, but they're not always fun walking through them. They're great to tell the story on the backside. But man, we walk through and we watch God work. Simply because we refuse to give in to that, that fear, give in to that anxiety. And say, nope, I'm going to press into God's word. I, I'm going to declare God's truth in my life. And I'm going to see that God works for me. Would you bow your heads this morning with me?